Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We're barking, and it's after dark, and I smell something burning, Roos. I think everything is the, – the whole world's burning to the ground. I think it's my brain cells after reading the message board this <laughs> evening. Jesus, man. I think uh, it has been – it's been a flurry, dude. We are – I said before we got on the show, we're having a big normal one tonight. Um, and, uh, hey, you got your drink. I got my drink. Uh, Matt's probably headed for one after the show. But, Matt, thank you so much for being here. Matt Godwin. Jake Rowe, I'll let you introduce him. I'm going to finish this tweet up. <laughs> yeah, Matt Godwin, former Georgia Director of Player Personnel, um, the uh, the smartest man alive, as far as I'm concerned. Um, he, uh, I mean, Matt, this time last year was dealing with all the chaos, and we're going to talk a little bit about the transfer portal. Uh, somebody's over here saying, "Turns out Charles Power was right about Dylan Raiola." Um, uh, in case you all, y'all didn't know, um, you know. I, Missouri, I'm sorry, not Missouri, Nebraska. Uh, maybe I've drunk too much tequila already. Uh, Nebraska has made a late push for Dylan Riola. Um, I think we would probably agree that that maybe we're leaning towards him flipping to Nebraska. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. Ultimately, listen, man, um, George is fine. I mean, I, I know that they'd love to have the kid. I know that they would kind of stock up their quarterback room, create some competition, all that stuff, but – Matt, you've been around the process for a long time, and the hits come, man. They just they come. the 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 field lands punches all the time, and uh, you just kind of just keep coming, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, you know, I think everybody has a plan, right? We we always have a plan A, a plan B, a plan C, and sometimes plan D is the one you went end up on in college football, and that's just the way it is, and. You know, if Dylan Rayola does flip to Nebraska, that's certainly one part of the plan, but uh, that's why you build in contingencies. Um, and, you know, it's just it's part of it. You're right. You, you get hit, you get knocked down, you get back up, and you have to, you know, because <laughs> no, no, nobody has any sympathy for you. I can promise yeah, you that. Nobody, nobody uh, feeling sorry for you at all. The, the, I, all, all I can think of when you said you have these plans for the hits is Mike Tyson saying everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And then, and then, and then, all of a sudden, it all kind of gets a little bit wonky. Matt, I gotta ask you, man. Uh, it feels like probably you're you're probably thanking God that you're gonna be able to sleep a little more soundly tonight than you would have this time last year. Yeah. I think. Um, no, no kidding. Um, <laughs> I mean, my uh, my friends have been freaking out, and uh, I mean, to be honest, with you, I'm just sitting here laughing, like, golly, like 
I can't imagine how much of a tizzy I would be in if I was if I was still there. Um, and obviously, I, I still care. You know, I'm I'm a, I'm a big fan. I you know I went to what five six games this year, so I'm I'm still heavily invested. I still talk to a lot of people over there. But when you're on the outside, it just you know, especially with recruiting, you know, it, it doesn't really matter. So, um, it, you know, it is what it is. So that that's their problem to deal with. Yeah, I mean, um, at the very least, you're not. You know, obviously, we, we. I feel happy for you right now. I feel happy that you're not having to like stress over it. That you're that you'll get to bed before three a.m. Probably. Um, yes. I'm I'm happy for you, man, because you're a really good dude. Um, you're a really good dude for you know, just casting your lot with us, just you know, village idiots, and uh, and we appreciate that for sure. Um, Palmer, let's go ahead real quick, talking to producer Palmer here. Let's go ahead and get that read in real quick and talk about our partners over at GameTime.co. Listen, GameTime, love this app. It's amazing. Use the promo code DOGS, D-A-W-G-S, and you can uh, you can uh, get $20 off your first order. Terms apply. But GameTime, listen, man, if you're, if you're a big Nicki Minaj fan like Jake Roos, I know he thumps to it all time. All day, all the time. Pink, Fri- um, Pink Friday once again, boys and girls. That's his. That's his gal. You know, that's his girl. She's awesome. Big Lizzo fan. Roos is as well. I'm more of a Cardi B guy, but that's just here. That that's neither here nor there. Uh, but listen, Orange Bowl, get tickets. Gator Bowl, get tickets. If you're a Clemson fan, whatever, it doesn't matter to us. Go get your tickets from GameTime.co. The app is intuitive. It's easy to use. They specialize in those last-minute tickets, but you can go ahead and get them now as well. The, the app is as smooth as any I've, I've encountered. The fees are reasonable. Everything is awesome. And listen, if you use the promo code DOGS, D-A-W-G-S, you can pretty much cancel cancel out those fees and uh, get your tickets for whatever it says on the, on the sticker price there. So uh, go check GameTime.co if you're using your browser or download the app. And uh, we love these guys for a reason. We've been uh, talking about them for a long time uh, because we really appreciate them. We like using their stuff. Roos has used it. I've used it. Uh, you should too. All right, Matt, let's talk about Transfer Portal because I just don't think there's much to get into with the Rayola thing. It, Rayola thing is so brand new and it's so weird. And I think all we can do is kind of talk in platitudes as far as that goes. But when you're when you're talking about the Transfer Portal, the window is shorter this year. Um, not by much, and I don't think my, by a discernible amount. But in your experience, is it wilder like when it when the window first opens, or I guess for y'all it probably got wilder after you won national championships back to back years, right? Oh, you're, muted. you're muted, Matt. I think you muted yourself there. Oh, my apologies. You just pulled a, just pulled a Jake Rowe. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, you know, I had to respect the ad read. Um, <laughs> the, the answer is both, right? Um, when, when it first opens up, yeah, it's hectic. It's chaos. Because uh, you're, you're trying to bounce the transfer portal, right, with retaining your own roster, number one, uh, and then high school players. Um, and, you know, let's, let's be realistic, right? You know, transfer decisions affect high school decisions um, in the sense that if you go after a player in the portal at whatever position it may be, I mean, you, you better believe that the guy you're signing that's a high schooler is, is going to pay attention to that. And it, it matters. Um, and, you know, you, you could have said all the right things. They could have been committed for nine months, but if you take a transfer, I mean, it, it can definitely change things. So, yeah, I mean, there, there's immediate pressure and, um, but really, I mean, January is really challenging. 
And it's it's not just after the national championship, right? You know, we were fortunate. We won, you know, two in a row. It was a heck of an experience, all that. But let me tell you, the, the week leading up to those two games was absolutely brutal um, because, you know, the, the, the window was open longer. And what you had was the schools around you were getting opportunities that you weren't. Oh, by the way, they're still coming at the players that are on your roster. I um, mean, you're, you're, you're trying to win a game, right? And right. so much of our staff meetings, even leading up to that game, was focused on recruiting and roster management. <laughs> it's like, we, you know, we, we got freaking Alabama coming up. But, you know, if we, if we don't address this, if we don't have a plan – then, you know, we're going to have some challenges. Um, so you, you have to deal with it right then and there. You know, like I said, even though you are preparing for that game, you don't have a choice. So I, I think that um, the decision to move the um, the deadline up, I think is definitely something that will help whoever plays the national championship, whether it's Alabama, Texas, you know, wh- whoever it is, it's definitely going to help them, um, you know, just to have some finality of your roster. Um so it's, you know, the, the answer is as soon as that thing opens up to the second it closes, it is stressful. Um, and, and I know I've used this line before and I've, I've said this line to anybody who will listen, but um, Lane Kiffin said it best. Uh, I actually saw Buster Faulkner, I guess it was two, two days ago, three days ago, and we were talking about this. But, um, you know, it's 85 unrestricted free agents. You know, that, that's that's the current state. Um, so right now I think the NFL, you know, is, is a better structure than college football. And in a lot of ways, that's why I am where I am. So (laughs) I got to ask you, Matt, because I've talked about this and I've been harping on it since this thing started and really got as crazy as it has. Is this sustainable? Can people keep doing this the way that it is in place? Because to me, you're asking so much of a college staff to recruit, uh, three classes worth of kids, try to sign 25 kids, keep 85 kids together and prep for a game. I don't know how you're able to have any time to do anything other than that. Yeah. I mean, I think, look, the answer is, is look, I mean, every job in college is a desirable job. That's just, that's the reality. I mean, there were people that crawl to walk to work at the university of Georgia. So look, you know, for, from like a job fulfillment standpoint, there will always be demand for these jobs, right? That, that's just the reality. But I think what you're seeing, what you've what we've already started to see is this migration of assistant coaches and, and, and just coaches in general to try to get to the NFL. Um, I mean, we, we used to joke in our building that the NFL is the country club, right? It's, you know, you, you don't deal with all these issues, all these headaches, you know, yeah. And, you know, NFL, they, they got it great up there. So I think what you're seeing is, you know, wide receivers coaches and just different coaches, you know, I think Patrick Tony, you know, he was DC at Florida and uh, he's actually a guy that I met and he, he knew a bunch of guys on our coaching staff, guys, at DC at Florida leads for an NFL assistant coaching job. I mean, realistically, you know, sacrifice a lot of pay, but at the end of the day, you know, he got this offer from the Cardinals and that's where he wanted to go. And I think that it's a trend you're starting to see. So look, you know, college football is not going anywhere. The sport's not going anywhere, but I think that the people that are currently in it, you know, (laughs) you definitely look around and you're like, shoot, you know, maybe there's a better opportunity elsewhere and I may get less money, but especially at a place like Georgia, right? If you're, if you're working at the university of Georgia, 
you're probably going to make more money at Georgia than you will from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or, you know, whoever it is. Just just being realistic. Um, I mean, you're going to look at that job closely and say, yeah, I may say sacrifice $200,000, but, you know, for my quality of life, for my family, it's probably worth it. So I, I think that's something that is happening. It's really been happening for the last couple of years, and I think it's ramping up even more. So. And you, I've, you, I've, you've seen I've, it to an extent over the years. Like, I mean, I remember, and I know it's probably for different reasons, And but you saw Brian Van Gorder leave Georgia's D.C. job for the linebackers coach for the for the Jaguars, you know. And, and I mean, I feel like Bob Stoops was kind of a, an early, one of these early adopters of guys who just kind of got out of the business early, right, when he didn't have to. Um, yeah. You know, and, and stepped away for personal reasons, and it was a lot, even at that time. And that was a long time ago. Yeah, I mean, I always say, you know, the the job that I I got January 2020 to the job I had February 2023 when I ultimately stepped away was was night and day different. Um, and I, I mean, I remember telling the people that are still there in that building in Athens, Georgia, like, look, guys, I, I mean, I don't know how you do it. It's just, it's it's insanity. Um, and you know, I. I know that, you know, they get a really good group in Athens and they get some strong minded individuals, but I myself could not do it. And I know that, you know, at that college level, not necessarily in Athens. Right. I think Kirby, you know, has that thing held together well in Athens. But I think across the landscape, there's a lot of people that are looking around like, man, like, is this really worth it? Um, And, you know, and for me, (laughs) it was not so. Yeah, that's that's a big deal. That that's and 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 I think that we could we have to always kind of consider that because I mean these guys before it became as hard as it is now guys were getting out. I mean I brought up Van Gorder. I mean Munkin turned a program around, made it his own, and and left to to do the same thing. Uh, it left a head coaching gig to do that, you know, and maybe that should have been a clue as to what he was going to do whenever he got the right D- OC yeah. job at the NFL. But it's right. um. I think Roos's question is a solid one and how it's sustainable. I mean, obviously, I think even if there aren't any changes, like you said, there are plenty of guys that are going to want the opportunity, that are going to lunge at that opportunity. But at the end of the day, it's it. I mean, there's a solution coming somewhere um, to all this. And, and, and I'm just interested to kind of see where it comes from, whether it's, you know, because my thing is, is I don't know how you get your arms completely around it and, get rid of the 85 unrestricted free agents unless you start paying these guys and kind of collective bargaining a chance for them to kind of, and I know that's not necessarily your area of expertise or whatever, but I just don't see another way. I don't see another way you can lock these guys in for at least a couple of years and, and kind of have a respite from having everybody on your roster recruited year, year in and year out. Yeah. You know, I think that ultimately I think that's where this thing's heading. Right. I, I think that, we're, we're going to see, you know, something like that where these guys aren't amateurs. And I'm not saying it's going to happen today or tomorrow. You know, we're talking five, seven years down the road. But I think if you talk to a lot of people in the industry, right, it's say that's probably better because at least there would be some regula- regulations, some standardization, whatever. Um, and it's funny because NIL and the transfer portal, this was always kind of viewed as like middle ground, right? It was a compromise. It was like, okay, well, you know, we, we want to play, we want to pay these kids, you know, straight up salary, whatever, um, you know, but that, that seems a little too extreme. So we'll do NIL, right? You can, you can make money off advertising. You can do all this stuff. 
And, you know, now I, I think there's a lot of people that are like the, the NIL is, is more of a headache than maybe the alternative because there's no regulation. There's there's nothing. Um, you know, it's just it's it's kind of free for all. So given given your time in it, um, Matt, is what's happening now a surprise or do you think that that was kind of an inevitable thing all along? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's definitely surprising. Um, I think that everybody knew that some of the changes and the rules and all that, you know, it was definitely going to make things challenging. But I, I just I don't think that anybody realized that it would become your entire job. You know, you're you are recruiting your roster 24-7, 365. And it doesn't matter, you know, how successful you are, how good of a situation it is. Um, you know, the, the kids today are different and I don't mean that in a negative way. Um, it's just, it's different, you know, th things have changed and, and, you know, it's, it's really difficult on coaching staffs. Um, it's really taxing. Um, and football has always been a taxing job. It's always been a taxing industry, but now there's just, there's a couple more wrinkles. There's, there's a little bit more challenges, um, you know, they, they keep people up at night. So. Sorry, the one thing that I can't get down with, though, and I don't know how much of a historian you are as far as college football. I was talking to Keith Niebuhr about it earlier today, is um, the whole statement, you know, the purity of college football, right? Um, guys, listen, there was a time when uh, University of Georgia and other schools could hire only girls if they wanted to. They could just hire just beautiful girls. All they wanted, pay them really good money. You know, maybe, maybe not do something with a guy that could make them fall in love. Um, you know, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe not line them up in front of a guy and pick his, you know, pick out which one he wanted to, you know, to have. I mean, I went with a, I went on a visit with Matthew Thomas in 2000, in 2000 is when it was, when Georgia beat Tennessee first time in years, tore down the goalposts, all that stuff. Matthew got three different hostesses before he found one that he liked. Uh, they gave him one girl and he's like, he went to Brad Lambert and he's like, coach, no, no coach. No. <laughs> and then they got another one. He went back to coach Lambert. And he goes, uh, uh, not her either. And then he got the third one. He was like, oh yeah, that, that worked. <laughs> so, I mean, he had three different hostesses. So, I mean, and then in those days there were hundred dollar handshakes at whatever. And I mean, let's, let's not romanticize college football too much. Okay. Cause you know, it's, it's got its demons. It's got its, you know, dead bodies laying beneath the surface. I, I, man, I wanted to ask you specifically about transfer portal recruitments, right? And, um, you know, obviously there's the whole issue of tampering. Don't want to get into that. Uh, you know, I, I think we all know everybody tampers. People reverse tamper. Like you find guys on your roster, you're like, hey, this guy needs to go. We're going to find a spot for him. Hey, you reach out to him for us. I mean, don't nod your head anyway or, or make any indications. I'm not trying to make you do that. But if you're looking at the guys that you guys added through the transfer portal while you were there or just transfers in general, is there any recruitment that stands out to you, any, any particular player? Because I just remember like looking back last year, like Dominic Lovett, I didn't think, you know, like, was talking to people that I felt like were in the know. They were like, no chance, no chance. And then got him on campus, talked to him a little bit, you know, kind of sold him on what Georgia has going on. All of a sudden he ends up at Georgia. Is there any, is there any of those that kind of stand out to you that maybe, you know, were, were enjoyable or, or fun or, or you just learned something? 
Yeah, I mean, I think Dom's a good one. But but first, I'll preface transfer recruiting, right? I think that it is, in a lot of ways, it's more challenging, um, especially at a place like Georgia, um, because, you know, Georgia is signing really good players every year, four or five stars, yada, yada, all that good stuff. And I think that, you know, the negative recruiting and the transfer portal ramps up. And there's a lot of schools telling, you know, whatever player it is, like, hey, man, you know, are you really sure you're going to play at Georgia? Are you really sure you're going to start, you know, whatever? And, you know, I, I think that, you know, the biggest thing that guys in the transfer portal want is playing time. That's usually the reason they're leaving, right, is they're upset about something, whether it's not playing in the right role or playing the right position or not playing enough or, you know, something like that. It usually revolves around them getting on the field, right, um, so it, it, it can be really difficult if you don't have clear cut snaps, like, Hey, you know, we're, we're losing this guy. We need you for this reason. And you're going to get these snaps and we can more or less guarantee it. If, if you don't have something like that, you know, you're, you're probably not going to get that guy They're They're not going to come into an uncertain situation, you know, with, with high school recruiting, you know, we're, we're selling NFL development. We're selling the long term. We're selling the education. And it is much easier for a high school kid to buy that, right? You know what? You know, I'm, I'm going to be Quay Walker, and I'm not going to start till I'm a senior. You know, I'm going to play special teams when I'm a freshman. I'm going to play special teams again while I'm a sophomore. I'll rotate in a little bit. And then by my junior year, I'm going to be the third backer, still not a starter. And then my senior year, I'm going to start and I'm going to go to the NFL, right? That's, that is a, that's a game plan that we can sell to high school football players. With the transfer portal, it's just a lot different. It's, it's you know, what can you do for me right now? Can you get me on the field? Can you get me the ball? And it's, it's just a lot different. So in that way, right, I think that, you know, we, we were nervous that so we, we weren't going to get Dom going into it. And, and obviously it worked out well. And, you know, it was, it was cool because when he came on his visit and he saw us practice, right, we're, we're preparing for the playoffs. We got this – this big game coming up and he saw practice and, and to be honest with you, our practices, I wouldn't call them make or break in recruiting, but you know, if you show up to a Georgia practice, you have to really like football to be like, yeah, I want to go and do that. And Dom like loved it. It was all about it. Saw the physicality, saw the speed, saw the tempo, saw the way we did things and like fell in love with it. And we already had a lot of conviction on Dom, right? We, we felt really strongly that we wanted him. And his reaction to practice was like, great. It's like, this, this guy gets it, right? This guy is not only a good player, but he kind of, he's, he's what we're looking for in terms of a person. And the fact that, you know, he looks out there on that practice field and sees guys getting hit and sees the physicality and he likes that, you know, that, that just made us feel better. So, um, and Dom was a great kid and, all the above. And, you know, ultimately, um, I, I mean, I know he didn't have the big numbers this year, uh, but, you know, I think he played very well. So. Yeah, no, I, I think it was, I'm, yeah. Yeah. Everybody, I think some degree, I, I knew a lot of Georgia fans who rooted, who were rooting for that, that kid, man. I mean, uh, you, you felt good. You felt good about that and, and how it, how it all turned out uh, regardless of, you know what the early inclinations were, you, whether or not you thought you were going to get him. It, it tur- it's turned out to be a good addition for Georgia, and you know, a- exciting future if it goes that way uh, as well. Um, Matt, 
I, we're talking about this transfer portal stuff. Uh, you know, not to put you on the spot necessarily with any names, but has any of this surprised you at all from the Georgia standpoint so far? Any of the guys that you've seen just based on production and, and how guys have kind of made it into the rotation, et cetera? I wouldn't say anything's been surprising, right? I, th- I think you, you come to expect surprises, right? Um, I think, I mean, there's certainly some guys that, you know, that they didn't want to lose, you know, and, you know, at the end of the day, you know, that those guys are leaving for, for what they think is a better opportunity. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, you, you know, you, you can't penalize the kid for that. It just kind of is what it is. If he feels like there's a better situation out there, then he's got every right to go to go see what that's about. Um, so I, I wouldn't say any surprises, right? I think that, you know, like, like I said, you know, you, you, you expect the unexpected and there's, you know, your, your whole roster technically could leave. Um, there's very little certainty in anything nowadays. So you, you, you learn to anticipate the bad stuff, unfortunately. We, we talked about that actually last night on the Georgia show. I, I said, is there anybody with a thousand percent certainty that you could guarantee me will be on Georgia's roster next year? Palmer suggested Drew Bobo, which I thought was a good bet. And uh, Jackson Muschamp, I felt, was also a pretty solid pick. Um, I said Oscar Delp. I said Oscar Delp because he's about to kind of step into the limelight and be the number one tight end for a whole year. Um, yeah. Another thing, another thing I want to bring up to you, there's something that's been cracking me up on our board. And obviously Brock Bowers is not going to come back. Um, but some we have fans that keep saying, Kirby will tell the kid, no, go pro. You do not need to come back to Georgia. I do. I completely disagree with that. I think Kirby's popping the finest bottle he can get and, and saying, you know, seances to the gods at that point. If Brock Bowers wants to come back, what say you, what do you, does, would Kirby welcome Brock back? Or would he say, no, Brock, just go pro. <laughs> I think he would definitely welcome Brock back, but look, you know, K- Kirby's realistic. Um, you know, w- w- with certain guys, you know that it's an uphill battle and you don't want to harass that guy. You don't want to wear him out, you know, <laughs> you know, trying to meet with him every day, you know, Hey man, we want to talk about your future and all that. And there, there are some guys I think where you, you kind of let them right off in the sunset. Um, and, you know, I don't think you would ever say no. You know, we, we, we don't want you to yeah. come back. But we're, we're just, you know, we're, we're going to respect their decision. We're going to respect their future and, you know, pour your energy into other guys. Um, and that's just the reality. I mean, there's there we, we've been fortunate to have some guys that had some really high grades coming out as juniors. And and you, you always have a conversation with them. Right. You know, you you want good players and especially good people because, often what you see is these guys are going to get picked high are really good people. And Brock is one of those. And, you know, it's not just what Brock Bowers does on the field. It's everything he does. It's the way he carries himself, the way he represents the program, all of the above. Um, so, yeah, you, you never just push someone to the next level. But, you know, I, I think uh, I think everybody has a good idea that Brock's going to take that next step. And, you know, they're, they're going to let him do his thing. So It would be – Yeah, uh, I just – it's it just that whole bracket. idea that they would tell him not to come back. Like that they would say, no, no, absolutely. You've lost your mind. <laughs> right. I mean, dude, if Brock Bowers wanted to rake the leaves in my yard, I'd let him because I know it would be done incredibly well. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not, I mean, 
that cat, I mean, listen, he's 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 a one percenter as far as I'm concerned. And uh, like I said, Kirby would probably be – you'd probably hear the screaming of goats from Kirby's backyard as he just sacrifices them and burns them um, <laughs> for the gods. No doubt about it. No doubt. Um, now, Matt, uh, I guess uh, one of the big questions, one of the big debates we've had on the board is how do you how do you fix this stuff? How do you, do you have any suggestions? Is there anything that would make anybody's life easier uh, to fix this portal stuff, man? I, I suggested just one window. Uh, a lot of people have said maybe you know you uh, you, you eschew uh, your nil money if you transfer. I don't believe that's possible, to be honest with you. Um, uh, I think also too the idea was suggested of you have to sit out a year if you want to transfer. Um, bring kind of bring that idea back. We've seen kind of the fights around that stuff. So. Um, you know, is is there anything that logically you think makes sense in order to try to rein this in at all? It's uh, no, I I, I, don't, I don't know I don't know what you no. do, um, right? Because I think when you're when you're talking about athlete benefits, right? Um, I think once this policy was enacted, right, you you open Pandora's box a little bit. Um, it is really hard to take a right or a privilege away from somebody. Um, so I, I think that the NCAA can't really reverse course. I, I definitely think that there's ways to regulate things and there's a way to standardize things. Um, I don't know what that solution is. And, you know, frankly, when, when I was still in football, you know, these were the things that I spent, you know, <laughs> thinking about and and uh i can tell you i'm not sparing too many thoughts about this this uh sure. ncaa policy anymore um at this point it kind of is what it is and i uh i think that it would be really difficult to make meaningful change at this point um i think the games are still going to go on i think it's going to be a great entertainment product i think it's a great time to be a student athlete um <laughs> You know, I just don't necessarily think it's a great time to work in college football necessarily. Um, but, you know, look, the, the show goes on, right? Um, and, and I think Jake's right. You know, people, you know, talk about, you know, oh, the fabric of the sport has changed and all that. And, yeah, things have changed a little bit. But I think a lot of that's just, you know, kind of misplaced nostalgia, if you will. Um, you know, look, things things weren't always great back in the old days. Um and yeah, maybe you prefer that, and that's that's your your right, that's your prerogative. But um, you know, look, the sport's going to go on. Um, but no, I the NCAA should not call me for any suggestions. I think uh, I think everybody's just going to play the hand they're dealt at this point. So I don't I don't think the NCAA is going to call anybody. I've said for a while these guys are toothless and they don't care. They don't give a shit. I don't think the NCAA cares. I don't. I think that they are sitting back collecting checks, and I don't think they're they're interested in doing anything to help the game right now. They're waiting on somebody else to intervene on their behalf, and they're just kind of waiting. And it's great work if you can get it. I'm not even begrudging them. I think that it's – I mean, that's amazing. If y'all need somebody in Indianapolis, call me. I, I, I can do I can do dick all, all day. Uh, and, and, uh, <laughs> I mean, no and, question. And what I'd say, right, is I don't necessarily know that the NCAA views the current landscape as a huge issue, just being honest. <laughs> um I think that the NCAA, their biggest money maker is the NCAA tournament, right? So that's that's always priority number one is how do we put on a good basketball tournament? Um, and beyond that, I think that 
you know, look legally, you know, you know, fans and coaches and staff members and administrators can complain about the landscape as much as they want. But um, ultimately, I think the NCAA is more worried about the student athletes um, because the student athletes are the ones who can can sue and can, can can take legal action. You know, if you're if they feel like they're not being treated right, whereas the employees, the administrators, all that, all those other people, you know, ultimately, unfortunately, we, we don't really matter. <laughs> um, and it, it may be miserable to work in, but I think the NCAA's attitude is we'll suck it up. You know, this is this is what the kids want. This is what's good for the kids and kind of is what it is. And oh, by the way, like I said, we got to put on a good basketball tournament. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I always love when Roos goes on, on an NCAA, NCAA rant because like you're so good at like uh, he's so good at kind of picking them apart and <laughs> and like just taking digs at them. I've just become so apathetic but towards it now because like I just I don't even know what I'm dealing with anymore. And that's probably the that's probably worse. They than don't anything. do shit. They, what do you want? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the, at the end of the day, they don't have any interest in doing anything. <laughs> They've made that clear over and over again. In the last five years, the NCAA has made it clear they have no interest in enforcing anything. And I understand it. I get it. They are waiting for a superhero, a Superman, to come swoop in and fix this for them. They're, they they're waiting for Matt Godwin's what they're waiting they for. They're waiting for a real man to come in here. To be the commissioner. I think that's <laughs> we're going to get him back on Bark After Dark when he becomes commissioner of the NCAA. Yeah. Well, like I said, I you know Jake, I, I really don't think they're waiting on anything. I think they're they're good to keep this thing in cruise control and uh, yeah, because they don't right, have to do anything. But he's you right. Jake, Jake, he's hundred percent right. He's like because Matt's Matt's nailing it because he, I haven't thought about it this way, but he is he turned me this quick. They don't care how hard the coaches have to work now. All they want to do is keep their ass out of court. So that they can exactly. just exactly that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. Yes, exactly. They're not. They're. They're. They don't. They're. It's. It's all hands off, right? I mean, yeah. as long and as it's the intentional, and it's totally intentional. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. If the basketball tournament looks good, who cares what happens with the football? The grind. Let grind those people into bone meal and just let them continue on. As they and will. and as far as the, the offices are up in Indianapolis, right? Yeah, yeah. they are. Yeah, yeah, they just want to get that St. Elmo's. They just want to get that St. Elmo's. (laughs) And and oh, by the way, you know, I I think that they view this stuff as a huge success commercially uh, because you're going to have a 12-team playoff coming. Um, You're going to have all these compelling matchups, which they didn't really have anything to do with the SEC, you know, getting Texas, Oklahoma, and all these moves. But I think it's, you know, it's created a positive for the NCAA because you're going to have this 12-team tournament. It's going to be really compelling. It's going to make a lot of money. And look, you know, people can bicker and complain as much as they want, but they're still going to tune in on Saturdays. And uh, I think, you know, NCAA has the let them eat cake mentality. It's, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's wrestling, man. That, and, and Everything's and the wrestling. And then and the NCAA ain't no different, man. The, Bama was on top for so long. And now all of a sudden everything's kind of trickling, you know, in a different direction. And now it's all just kind of opened up. And it's like right now it, for the casual fan, it's there's more going on than there's ever been. 
there's more teams that are going to have a shot at it than there have ever been. Yeah. There are more players moving around than there have ever been. It's it's entertainment 24-7, and I understand where they're coming from with it. I get it, man. It's drawing eyes. It works. And, you know, I, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, I, I hate it. I resist it. You know, these, these rivalry games and these traditions, they matter. Right. Um, but ultimately I think that the TV people and the, the stakeholders are basically calling everybody's bluff. Right. They're like, yeah, you know, you're a Georgia fan and you care a lot about that Tennessee rivalry, but you're still going to tune in to Georgia Ole Miss. You're still yeah. going to tune in to, Georgia Texas A&M, Texas they're calling your bluff of, you know, yeah, you, this may not be what you want. This may not be ideal, but I bet you're still going to watch. And unfortunately, I think they're right. So, yeah, Matt, yeah. I, I've got a, I've got a couple questions I want to ask you, but for, I mean, I, I don't want to keep you too long. You've been really gracious with your time. Um, first of all, do, because this is just kind of impromptu, how much do the rivalries matter to, to Kirby, to Georgia staff? I mean, how much do those matter to a coaching staff? I mean, they, they matter a lot. Um, specifically, I mean, the Florida game um, and, and then Georgia Tech and Auburn. I mean, I think those three stand out. I mean, wow. there's definitely, you know, people care about Tennessee. People care about South Carolina. Um, but, I mean, Florida, Georgia Tech, Auburn, I mean, those three, it's it's a different level of intensity. Um, you it's know, really and, cool to hear you say that about Georgia Tech. It, it is, I mean, because oh, like Georgia, I mean, there are Georgia fans out there that are like, get rid of this game. It means nothing anymore. And it's really cool to hear you talk about it because I know for a fact Kirby lost his last game to Tech. I guess it was yeah. his last game. Well, well, I, I mean, stadium. I can tell you why it matters because Kirby lost games to them. Mike Bobo lost games to them. Brian McClendon lost games to them. Todd Hartley has lost to them. I mean, wait a minute. I, mean, a I don't, I actually don't think Mike Bobo did lose games to them. I think Mike Bobo actually went undefeated against Tech. <laughs> Believe it or not, I, 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 for some reason that is the rivalry that I, I, I know more than any other Georgia rivalry. And I believe, I believe Mike, Bo they had an eight-game win streak up until '98, which was Kirby's last year. Bobo yeah. was done in '97, so I, I think Bobo actually beat them all. But, but, it, but as a coach, he definitely lost. He, oh, hundred percent, no doubt. Yeah, so that, that's what I mean. You know, there's the fourteen game, play, no doubt. But, you know, everybody's lost them at some point. So. So, yeah, although Georgia Tech has been down the last however many years, you know, yeah, I mean, there, there's people in that building that care about that game. Um, and, you know, I, I may not have been one of them. Um, <laughs> although, hey, heck, I, I mean, you know, as a student, I went two and two against Georgia Tech. So, two and two. Mm. Yeah, tough. Yeah, I, dude, I went to a Georgia Tech game in 1998 when they broke the streak. And, uh, Joe Hamilton fumbles near the sideline. It doesn't get called. I think Tech ends up hitting a game-winning field goal. And there was this little tiny man. Uh, I was about the same size that I am now because um, I, I didn't grow past the age of 12. And uh, there's this little dude just hitting me in the face, just stinging me in the face with a pom-pom, saying, Georgia going to the toilet bowl. And uh, <laughs> I had the guy I had the guy buy his shirt and his, in, in the back of his jeans, and my dad was like, oh, God, put me on the so, Yeah. I a big fervent Georgia fan back in the day. The last question I want I wanted to ask you, Matt, is so I don't know how much you know about who's in the portal and who's not, but of what you know about the transfer portal right now, if if you're Georgia and you could add any guy, because I know that a lot of these guys you've evaluated and everything, if you could just take your pick of the litter, whoever's out there, who would you add? <laughs> Um, you know, I'm, I'm biased towards the, the trench positions, uh, which I think I've said before. So offensive line, defensive line, edge rushers. Um, so, I mean, 
I got to go Walter Nolan. Um, let me tell you, I mean, this guy is, I mean, he, he might be the biggest freak athlete I've ever seen at that position. And we were fortunate to sign Jalen Carter. Um, I think everybody knows Jalen Carter really well. Um, I think Jalen Carter is stronger and more powerful than Walter Nolan. But in terms of just raw athletic ability in a 300-plus-pound frame, I don't think I've ever seen anybody quite like Walter Nolan. Um, you know, all the guys like Kirby who are at Alabama, well, they'll talk about Marcel Darius. And the way they talk about Marcel Darius is – you know, the way people talk about Frank Sinatra or some, you know, some legendary, <laughs> some legendary figure, right? Um, you know, Kirby gets excited when he talks about Marcel Darius. And so I wasn't there for all that. Um, I know a little bit about Marcel and I've seen clips because I made a cut up at one point and he did I remember him. Way. I remember him rushing off the edge <laughs> so as a nine technique against, uh, against Arkansas and getting to the quarterback in like two seconds. So, you know, you hear different names, but uh, Walter Nolan was a guy that stood out. We were in it a little bit. I don't think we were. We were never really going to sign him, but uh, I think that that's the guy I'd point to because um, it is hard to find those big athletic frames. So, yeah, I, that's, I mean, that's kind of who I expected you to say. There's not. Uh, there's really, not. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty predictable. So. We talk sometimes, you know, and I, and I knew yeah. you had a high opinion of Walter Nolan and this one of those things, right? It's, um, it's one of those things that's, you know, you, you, you would love to be extremely involved. Like you would love to land Walter Nolan out of the transfer portal. But at the end of the day, you know, you've kind of got some principles you got to stand on as far as what you will get involved with in NIL. And, um, listen, I don't think anybody can argue with George's process as far as that goes thus far. Um, Kirby has said from the beginning and, and, you know, we can debate on how much Georgia has and, and whatever, but Kirby has said from the beginning that he wants to do it in a sustainable way. And, you know, we'll see in the future if that means a couple of years where Georgia's maybe struggling to get into the playoff so that it can really get into the playoff a couple of other, I don't know, but, um, you know, we're entering a new frontier. And, and I think that at the very least Kirby smart has earned, a lot of trust from a lot of folks because a lot of people will tell you, well, he doesn't always get it right. Well, I mean, Kirby, with the help of, of, of you know, really big time, you know, uh, mega minds like uh, Matt Godwin got it right a lot. So, I mean, you guys built some some pretty strong programs, and you I don't will, think it's even. You, know, you will notice, I think, that uh, Georgia not making the playoff in the first year without Matt Godwin. I, that's what pretty, I noticed. Pretty pretty telling stuff here that we're we're finding out. <laughs> that's what I noticed. I think Matt Goblin should have a blank check waiting on him up there. Yeah, right yeah. Here. That's what I know. Good to hear you ask, though. It's, it's my fault. So we, 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 made, we, made, we made a lot of terrible decisions. And, uh, and yeah, the, the, the cover is bare based on what I hear. So I'm blaming it on Will Muschamp. I, I blame it all on Will Muschamp. He's – He's See, too e the, too easy going. He's too fun to be around. Apparently, yeah. if you can have a drink with anybody, it'd be with him. So he's just not a he's not the right. Yeah, guy. that's 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 a fair compromise. And we we can blame Rusty while we're at it. So yeah, yeah, Rusty, Rusty deserves a lot of blame as well. Yeah. Um, you know, Georgia Georgia won a lot of national championships before Rusty came to Dogs HQ. I'm just saying. That's true. That's true. That's great point. Great yeah, point. great. Roosh, you got anything else? 
I'm good, man. Uh, Matt, uh, you've been more than generous with your time, buddy. As always, uh, too generous, perhaps. And, um, you know, I know we just sit here and talk your ear off, and we probably could for another two to three hours, especially tonight, given the season. But uh, just want to really thank you again for coming on with us and, and being a friend of the show and being a friend of ours. And um, always great to talk to you, man. Yeah, Absolutely. we appreciate it, dude. And listen, like every other guest on Dogs uh, HQ's Bark After Dark, Matt Godwin gets a $5 gift card to Dave & Buster's. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was Spend it wisely, brother. Spend it wisely. All right. Thank you, guys. Take care, dude. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. <laughs> Get a little turtle wax, maybe, on the way out the door. Yeah, I'm oh, drinking, God. man. I'm, I'm just drinking. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, I just well, I got uh, good stuff uh, to say. Kevin Boyd wants to know what's in the glass. So, uh, listen, we got a little bit of this. Is kind of my um, this is my ranch water tequila, right? I, I'm a, I'm I, I'm a, I'm kind of almost a tequila only guy at this point. Reposado, uh, Espolón Reposado is a very good uh, solid, easygoing tequila. It's very good for the old ranch waters. Uh, upset that Matthew C is not in here tonight because he is also a big ranch water guy. Um, and ranch waters is just uh. Uh, is basically tequila, Topo Chico, uh, mineral water, and lime. And uh, it has become my drink of choice over the past couple years. Very much enjoy it, and uh, it, it takes me to a good place. That is, um, that's like calling a fried chicken salad a uh, salad. It's, uh, you, you, you call it ranch water, and it makes you feel better about it. But at the end of the day, it's just mostly booze, man. Uh, yeah, I pour them kind of strong. <laughs> I, tell you what, I tell you what, though, Jake. I don't pour them as strong as the Delta Sky Club pours them. Well, of course not, man. That, that, that makes sense, right? The dude, my my girl at the Delta Sky Club at the at the A gate over by the PF Changs. Okay, she just she turns them up just like glug 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 glug. And I'm like, hey, are you gonna pull the jigger out for that, or or am I gonna have to just breathe fire for a couple of hours before I get acclimated? That's that's that was Palmer Barton in freshman year at the the frat house, man. I mean, that was that, that just a straight upside down bottle. You know that. You know that one. Yeah, no doubt uh, about it, dude. I, I love having Matt on because Matt's such a professional that he just he 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 won't like. I want to get him at one day just to just completely cut loose with us because I know how funny Matt is. But he just you know he still got that DPP in him. And by the way, that's director of player personnel. Don't get me <laughs> Yeah, DPP, you know me. Um. <laughs> Don't get my letters mixed up. I'm not talking about self high fives up here. Okay. Yeah. I'm mean, talking about, talking about Diamond Dallas. But, bang! Um, but yeah, so I mean, he's so, he's so buttoned up. Uh, and he's a professional, right? I mean, he's he he's is. got you know the whole thing with wheels up and all that stuff. And, and we're real proud of him. We love him to death. He's the best dude ever. Um, but it's one of those things that's like, I just, I want to get him to totally just completely goof off with us and, yeah. uh, and, and, and hang out at some point. I'm going to, honestly, if George, when next year, when Georgia gets, if Georgia gets into the playoff, I'm going to get him credentialed through dogs HQ just so I can be like, all right, dude, you're with us. You're with us for the week. 
and uh, and we're going to throw down. We're going to have a good time. Maybe we can get him credentials for the dude. You know what we need to do? Get we him need in the to RV. get him in the you know RV. The, no, listen, don't don't, don't put that I'm out not. There. I'm not. I'm not giving too much up. I didn't don't say anything. Don't give too much out yet, but, but we've got a plan. <laughs> Palmer thought the same thing. You just texted it. Okay. So <laughs> We've got ideas over here. Uh, but listen, uh, we, we do appreciate Matt. And that was, that was some incredible insight as far as the transfer portal goes. And, um, you know, one of the things is, is kind of like, you know, Palmer and I were talking about it earlier this week. Last week kind of felt a little bit slow. Like it, on some aspects because you're kind of sitting around waiting for stuff to happen. But dude, I am telling you, I, I listen, Rusty's the dude, man. Like, I mean, Rusty, Rusty is awesome. Rusty talks to a lot of people. He's got a lot of sources um, through working with him for years and stuff. I've learned a lot and I've developed a lot of sources. I've been in this business for about 11 years now. And I talk to a lot of people, dude, I am, Jake, I'm I'm not lying. Like I have used every phone charger in my house. I've got a wireless. I've got a wireless phone charger, like an anchor wireless charger yeah. that pops to the back of my phone, and I've ran that all the way dead too. Yeah, yeah. I've gotten on phone conversations that I cannot get out of because yeah. I think these people are just like, "Hey, man, listen. If I if I'm on the phone with you, then I then I'm not looking at what what's going on in my world right now." <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. And so. <laughs> It's it's just I been. A, nuts, I, had a, I had a buddy text me right before we got on the show. I, Eric Kreebel, I'll shout him out. A friend of ours. Uh, we, oh, Kreebs, he's yeah, at Jefferson we, High School right now. Uh, yes, that's correct. We know yeah. we both know Kreebs. Um, uh, no, I'm sorry. I think he's still at Oconee. Um, oh, I thought he was at Jefferson High School. I don't know. I I, I need to follow up with him. He at, at, at any rate, a great guy, a tremendous person. Um, text me though, and uh, I was in the car, and uh, I got this text from him, and I I. Looked over at my girlfriend. I said, I said, man, you know, people, I said, I got people texting me that I hadn't talked to in a while. I said, Creeble and I, great friends, a good friend of mine, but we hadn't had touch base in a long time. I said, this guy, I know he's reaching out about this Riola thing, <laughs> um, but he wasn't credit to him. He was, he was trying to get some pub for his players. Um, so uh, shout out to uh, shout out to him for uh, reaching out about that. But yeah, I thought, I mean, I've had people coming out the woodworks this evening. Uh, in terms of, you know, looking for, um, you know, what's going on, what's happening, you know, can you tell me it's, it's been a, it's been a, it's been a weird one, man, that asked, (laughs) it's gotten real weird real fast. Yeah, no doubt about it. And listen, like, I want Georgia fans to understand, like, listen, I I think Dylan Raiola is a, is a very good football player. I do. But more than I think, I have I, I just have more confidence in what Kirby has built at Georgia than I do in any single football player. And that that includes a guy that I've I'm higher on than I've been high on anybody in a very long time. Two guys in this class actually who are committed to Georgia. And that's Justin Williams and Ellis Robinson. Like I think those are two I don't want to sound like sour grapes here, but I would say that like Dylan may be like the fifth best player in this class for me because I'm really high on those two, maybe fourth, but I'm really high on those two, Justin Williams and Ellis Robinson. I think Ellis Robinson is the best player in the country. I really believe. Smith, I know you're going to put in there. Yeah, I think Jeremiah Smith's really good, but I'm talking about as far as Georgia commitments. Oh, Georgia commits. I'm sorry. You're saying Georgia commits. Yeah, as far as Georgia commits go, I, I I would put, you know, those two over them. 
DeMello Jones, especially after what I saw today Dude, in the dome. Listen, they, these people might have these people might have caused a problem by letting Georgia get Ellis Robinson and DeMello Jones in one class. Unbelievable. I don't know. That's crazy, dude. That guy is, is that guy that that is okay. So so DeMello Jones, right, does not play in the highest classification, right? It's not nobody's gonna say that. What you want to see always has been my opinion, and I, I came up in the game under you, and so this is kind of my feel also is like you want to see a guy in those situations who can take who can take over a game. He's like so head and shoulders above everybody else that he is taking over a game in in, in those in the, the lower classifications. You're muted. I mean, yeah, that's exactly what you want to say. I mean, you don't want to like you don't want a guy to co- go out there and kind of look like just a guy in a big game. But and and that's especially, not what no, he. I'm saying especially in the lower classifications. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. exactly. And and you don't want to see uh, that guy has to show up. That guy yeah. has to show up big. And I would argue that even more so than Malachi Starks did in not the same classification, but but a lower classification. Even more so than Malachi Starks yeah. did, Demelo Jones. I mean, what what was the final of that game? I didn't get a chance to watch the end of it because I was dealing with mayhem. But <laughs> I don't know, dude. What do you want me to say? I was doing the same thing you were doing. I was yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I know that like he scored a touchdown, two point conversion. This last thing I saw from him to kind of cut the lead, and then I think uh, Prince Avenue went back up. Um, Greg v- Vandegrift, shout out. I mean, hey, listen, you want to shout out another guy, Greg Vandegrift, head high school football coach, son of a of a Georgia player who didn't really get a chance to show much in three years, not a peep, man, not one peep of drama or frustration or anything like that. I mean, the way that guy handled everything, Greg Vandegrift, shout out to him because I'll be honest with you. I'm a dad and I don't know that I'd be the same way. Sure. I think, I think Jake Roos knows I'd create some drama. Prince, Prince have one forty nine thirty two. Oh man, what I bet I mean I would have loved to Palmer. Palmer won't even let, me, let us tell him anything. Palmer says can't tell me nothing. He's looking at that Civil War mirror. Um. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I hear I hear Stonewall Jackson and Robert E. Lee have their name etched on the back of that Civil War mirror. Oh Jesus. Where where are we at here in this show? Come on. We we're off the uh, rails is where we're at. That's we where are, we're we are. We have been off the rails. Yeah. All right. Um, you got you questions to- tonight? Yeah, I do. I got a question. I, I, I do too. Unlike most nights, I actually do have some. I think I have two pretty good questions. Well, let's Jake off then. Let's uh, just Jake back. off. We let's are just Jake get back. To, let's back right, so to listen, back. in the spirit let's of talk, go back to back and Jake off, man. Yeah, man. that's right. Let's go back <laughs> to back like Bubba and Forrest. Let's keep our. Let's, don't lay down in the mud. Let's don't lay down in the rain. Um, in the spirit of cocktails. All right. So, what is your favorite cocktail, and what is a cocktail that you've always wanted to try? Ooh. Um. So, I don't. I mean, no. Uh, by the way, let me stop you real quick. This is probably the most narcissistic thing we do, because easily. I think we we assume that people care. Like, this whole show is what? really no. This whole show is really the most an exercise and self indulgence. We do. <laughs> but but like this this whole the whole Jake and off thing like we ask each other questions about what we want about I, I think we assume that people care 
<laughs> like what we what we might want to do. Um, yeah. But anyway, yeah. a cocktail you love and a cocktail you've always wanted to try. All right. So let me ask you this. This is a, because this is relevant to this. What do you define as a cocktail? I guess it's probably the question. Like, I mean, uh, it, do you consider the ranch three water or more ingredients? You consider the ranch water a cocktail? Yeah, yeah, three or more ingredients. Yes, but you're just putting a lime in it. It's an ingredient. Okay, all right. I would so consider then, vodka soda lime a, a cocktail. Okay, so mine is Tito's Sprite and lime. <laughs> that okay. is my that is my go to cocktail if I'm if I'm going to be drinking. Okay, now, let, if, let me change it up then. Is there your co- a cocktail has to have a name? Okay. All right. So in that case, in that case, then I would say probably my cocktail of choice would be an old fashioned. Um, I, I do love an old fashioned, um, uh, especially a very well made one. Uh, you put some good bourbon in there, and um, yeah, that's uh, to me that's a that's a great that's a that's a that's a standard. Um, that's something that I enjoy. Um, I would have to say, gosh, a cocktail I would like to try. Um, uh, somebody, I, I, somebody turned me into the French 75 recently, and uh, I, I've never tried that. Um, it sounds like a sex position, but it's not. Um, it's, uh, I don't, I don't, it's, uh, what's, there's a specific booze that's in it. Um, it's, uh, what is it now? French 75. Uh, gin and champagne with a little bit of lemon. Um, okay. And they, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not a gin drinker, but you can make it with cognac as well, and I could probably be a little bit more open to that. Um, I'm not a big gin drinker either, but I do love a Negroni. That's wow. That's surprising a little bit, to be honest. Oh, I love. There's something about a Negroni that just like just kills me. It, it's to me, it's so bitter. It um, is, but but it's one of those things. Like a couple sips into it, you really get into it. Like I, I really that, feel like. Does it does it have Aperol or is that the Aperol spring? Uh, I don't know. I just know it has <laughs> the Aperol spritz is I find very very tough to to get down. Yeah, uh, I, I'm not a I'm I'm not big on any kind of spritz. Um, uh, I feel like they have kind of a they they combine sweet and bitter like simultaneously, which kind I'm of breaks my you, brain. I'm gonna so I'm gonna tell you this. One of the the bars here locally the other day, I was hanging out sitting at the bar, and um, they had. I saw it in the cooler and I'd never seen it before. And I said, Hey, you selling much of that Jägermeister cold brew? <laughs> and the guy said, we're selling none of it. And if it would have been up to me and I'd worked here, we would have never ordered that to begin with Jake. I tried it and you could have stripped paint with it. It was absolutely, I mean, it was an, indust- <laughs> it was an industrial cleaner. It's one of the nastiest things I have ever tasted in my life. When oh, they refinish yeah. shuffleboards, they use that. Woo. Oh, it was brutal, man. Dylan Brooks with a really good choice over here, and one that I drank a couple of over the course of the uh, Thanksgiving holiday. Yeah. The Irish Car Bomb is, is very, very nice. That's great. You, That's you great. know, you know when the Irish Car Bomb raises its ugly head, and and I don't After, even like, want to call it ugly. It, it it raises its head when you hang out with people you hung out with in high school. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> because so let me tell you something. The Irish last the last eight to ten times I've had an Irish car bomb um, have been either when I've hanging out with my wife and her friends from high school or my friends from high school. It should um, be. In, 
No, I was going to say it should be noted. An Irish car. I don't know that I would consider an Irish car bomb a uh, cocktail. That's that's not exactly how I treat cocktails when I order. It's a blue collar cocktail. Uh, okay. Hey, I got to drink this as fast as possible because it's going to turn into cottage cheese. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, right. Rita. Hey, I will say the most interesting cocktail I've ever had. It's okay. called a Bloody Mark. And it was a uh, Lexington, Kentucky. Me and um, I'll never forget this night. It was one of the coolest, one of the funnest nights of my life. Hung out with uh, Tim Tebow, um, who actually did not drink. Um, Laura Rutledge, who had a couple drinks, and Marcus Spears, who shared a couple of these cocktails with me at the uh, Double Tree Bar in Lexington, Kentucky, when they were had SEC Nation was in town. Um, I drank a few uh, Bloody Marks, which was is which was a uh, a, a Bloody Mary made with a maker's mark instead of vodka. And I was like, this sounds gross, but it's on special, like six bucks a piece. And I tried one and I was like, oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, and uh, I think I spent most of that weekend drunk, to be honest with you. Like I, I got pretty, I got pretty lit that night. And then I went and covered the Georgia Kentucky game the next day. I guess this would have been, I guess this would have been 18 because I think they're there in even years. Um, and then the next day Palmer's I went confirming. Palmer's yeah, confirming. Palmer's confirming. So the next day I go to this, uh, this um, uh, seafood place and it called fifth street, uh, fifth street, something fifth Avenue. Fifth, well, I don't know, whatever it was Smith street seafood something like that uh but there's a brewery right there that's called fifth avenue something like it's like an intersection of two streets in the and the uh so, okay, it's, so just um, say you have no idea what streets these are located on exactly there's a brewery and a seafood spot close to each other right next to each other palmer's yeah. been there we went there in 2022 um with brandon adams and Town seafood smithtown seafood that's it on, smithtown on seafood. Sixth street yeah and then sixth street brewing or something like that and they had they share a dining room, and I went and had like a couple of Imperial IPAs that were like thirteen and a half percent. Oh God! <laughs> and I had to, dude, I had to, I had to go like feed the horses of the Lexington. Uh, I had to go feed the horses at the Lexington uh, Police Department to kind of sober up. And then I went to the airport. I got to the airport and I sat down at the airport bar. And there's this uh, Spanish dude that comes and sits beside me. And he goes, uh, he goes, hey, do you have a Bloody Mary? He says it with an accent, but I don't want to butcher it. And he's, he says, do you have a Bloody Mary? And he goes, he goes, yeah, yeah, we have a Bloody Mary. He goes, is it spicy? And he goes, we have a house mix. It's really spicy. And I was like, do tell. You know? <laughs> so uh, I ended up having about seven of those, and then I passed out on the plane on the way home. So I, I'm trying to figure out, based on the story you just told, if – Feed the horses at the Lexington Police Department is a euphemism for going to jail. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, no. The so the so the the brewery and the the seafood place. I got some. I got like a fried seafood platter. Shocker. Yeah. Um, I went to the. I got a fried seafood platter, and then I got a couple of those beers, and I was like, man, I'm. I got a little buzz going on. I can't drive to the airport like this. I got like a twenty minute drive to the airport, fifteen minutes. So I was like, all right, I, you know, I got plenty of time to kill. My flight's not until like six p.m. So I just rolled, you know, roll down the way, and the because the guy was, I was like, "Hey, what's there to do around here?" And he goes, "Well, the Lexington Police Department horse farms, like, kind of, you know, just down the street." And I was like, "Oh, cool." 
So I go down there and there's this lady out there training the horses. And she's like, oh, here's a bunch of carrots. Here's a bunch of, you know, whatever. And I just start feeding the horses, sweet feeding carrots and majestic animals. That would be that wouldn't that would be a good euphemism for going to jail in Lexington. It would, it would, hundred yeah. percent. But but you know, they're, they're not trying to. I mean, this ain't this ain't Ron Tater salad white. Okay, no, they're not true. trying to drink, get people for drinking and getting drunk in public. <laughs> oh God! All right. Well, uh, my question tonight is the same one that I asked Matt Godwin earlier, and I think it may have actually been when you were out of here um, for a second, which is. We've been talking about all this transfer portal stuff. What are you going to do to fix it? Let's say Jake Rose in charge of the NCAA and he gets his druthers. How are you going to fix the transfer portal? I just bring everybody to the table and collectively bargain it. I mean, I think that that's the way you got to go. You treat them as employees. You pay them a salary. You lock them in for a certain amount of time, two and a half, three years, two years. And I, and I just think you kind of get everybody to agree on everything. And, and listen, I still think you pay their tuition and I still think you offer – the um the 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 training the world because listen i'm not one of these people that comes from a place that's like oh man these kids were just completely taken advantage of because listen i know how expensive it is to have a scott sinclair or a scott cochran train you 300 days a year that's expensive that's how that costs a lot of money and the exposure and the opportunities and the education I mean, student loans for crying out loud. Like, sure. I mean, I, I get it. I, I, I mean, I, I didn't come from a rich family that just paid my whole way through school. I had some loans. I had stuff to deal with. Um, but at the end of the day, I think you just have to bring them in. You have to say, all right, listen, unionize if you got to. We'll deal with it. And it, you know, you heard Matt say it. They, they, they refer to the NFL as the country club. Well, Turn college football into a country club, you know, kind isn't of. That, kind of is that, is, in that, in your mind, though, isn't that going to have to? There's going to have to be, I think, a fissure within the within Division One football because not everybody. You can't. You can't. I mean, you can't have a hundred. You can't have 120 teams with 80 plus players being represented. Yes by, and no. Like yes, in the way. Yes, in the way that that okay, there's whatever group that branches off and does that, which I think will be a substantial group. Like, I think I it'll do. probably be in the, what would you say, probably 45 to 60? That's always been my assumption, is around 50 yeah. was the yeah, number. Yeah, 40, somewhere in the neighborhood of 45 to 60. There's um, and, and, and Can we be realistic? This is my argument against the, or, or my argument the whole time with this, is that in a very real sense, do you feel like there are more than 50 teams that are viable national championship contenders and have been over the last, let's say, 50 years? No, I, I look at it as kind of like the NFL, I mean, yeah. 30 to 35. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. You know, so, but either way, like you get to four, somewhere between 45 and 60 that pay players that collectively bargain. But those, those schools are those schools, but I don't think they just have to play those schools. I think, you know, all of a sudden you can kind of have like an overlap trickle down effect because, listen, I'm all for the health of the sport. I'm all for FCS, lower tier FBS getting pay for play games like, um, you know, like Auburn paying one point seven million to get their ass kicked. Um, I think that's all fine and dandy. 
but then pay for play then becomes kind of that upper tier unionized pay your players deal paying the next tier and then the next tier plays pays the next tier and and you kind of get kind of this trickle down trickle up effect of of teams basically being able to deal with you know all of that going on and so that's that's kind of the way I look at it but but ultimately I think you have to do that if if you're the upper tier programs that's the only way you get your arms around it that I mean isn't the funniest outcome of this going to be if the uh, NFL is forced to use this in real minor league fashion and the uh, Georgia Bulldogs become some sort of minor league affiliate of the Atlanta Falcons? <laughs> yeah, I, I just don't think that'll ever happen because the university. No, I don't either. I don't either. But, I don't either. You know, I, I do think though the one thing that cracks me up more than anything and is the whole hand wringing over losing the sport because I don't think that's happened. And uh, that's going to happen. And um, I'm worried about Palmer over here. He's really bear coming behind the scenes over here. Um, but he's really worried about how long. This having, I think he's having like sensory issues at this he point. Is, like, he is. Like, like touching his jacket a lot and like doing this. <laughs> he just, he just, he just, <laughs> one in an old garage. It's cold back here, guys. <laughs> Why are you in the old garage? Because that, that's the back room at my house. That's where, <laughs> I just thought maybe your parents have driven you there. there. <laughs> I'm uh, cold. I'm watching the Titans. They suck. I'm tired. Yeah, what's the score of that game? 7-7. Seven, seven. Okay, we just broke SEC law. We're going to get fined. Okay. <laughs> Palmer's um, going to pay that fine, too, because he's got more money. <laughs> he was the one who did it. Um. um but yeah, I think that's the only way. I really do, and, and I don't know how you get around Title IX. I don't know how you figure that all that oh, out. Sure, but, sure. But you know, um, to the rich go the spoils. Um, you know, and and that's just kind of the way the the, the world works. And uh, you know, the Power Five is going to kind of branch off. And and listen, I that whatever you know, slap dick that that uh, that is the the NCA dude that made that proposal. I think he's on to something. I really do. Sure. But listen, I, one thing I do want to want to outline to people, cheating will not stop. It, it it does not stop. It will not stop. It never will stop. Cheating I, was going to happen. Said, yeah, no, that was the thing on the board. Like people were talking about, they were like, well, Raiola, if he's going to do this, we all know why. We've seen, A, you pointed out, we've seen this before. B, if that's what it's about, it's always what it was. It's it's the same song, you know, it's a same old song and dance, my friends, if that's what it really boils down to. Um, All right. And, I think- and, and here's the thing. And everybody's and, and every and everybody's doing. Yeah, everybody's doing it. Everybody's tampering. Everybody's paying. It's happening. All right. This has been the longest episode of maybe any Internet show in the history of the world. Um, 24 hours simulcast is over. And we're we sorry, and you're welcome. <laughs> we're sorry, and you're welcome. We we really appreciate it. Matt Godwin was awesome. We're sorry for all the auxiliary stuff. They, I can't believe 100 people hung around and watched us do this. Um, <laughs> but uh, um, we're sorry for what you what we did to you tonight and for how many brain cells we killed. Uh, but for this episode of Bark After Dark, I am Jake Rowe. He is Jake Roos. By the way, Bill Shanks told me today they called me Jake One and you Jake Two. I think that's I think that's bullshit. You should be Jake. I'm Mountain. Yeah, I think Jake. it should be. Yeah, you, yeah. It should be. Ja- it should be uh, Swamp Jake and Mountain Jake. Or and that's the way we Jake, should go. Handsome Jake and other Jake.
Yeah. <laughs> Y'all take it easy. We love you. Row, row. <laughs> it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.